2: with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash. The Volume. The 3 Now Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use safe and secure, you get your winnings fast I cannot recommend it enough love gambling with FanDuel if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now, sign up with promo code Colin, so they know we sent you and FanDuel is now live in Ohio What is going on? How are you doing? John Middlecoff, Korean Out Podcast. Beautiful day in here in Arizona. Sun is out. Super Bowl's right around the corner. Uh, just, just talking to some people. I guess the Chiefs stand right down the street from my house. Eagles coming, Chiefs coming. Super Bowl week is here. And uh, should be fun. Fantastic matchup. But this is just a mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Middlecoff mailbag. You fire in those DMs, get your question answered here on the show. Very easy to do. We like the interacting with the people. This is the people show. So add John Middlecoff. Fire in those DMs on Instagram, DMs wide open. Let's start with Thomas. I'm trying to better understand the draft process. I see reports of scouts saying that AR, I think that is the quarterback from Florida, could be the best quarterback in the class. Yet the only thing he's done lately is not playing a bowl game and miss 11 straight throws to lose the Florida State. Is this AR camp trying to generate buzz or is there a scout that will say anything to generate headlines? I think you got to be very careful what you read during this time. I, I haven't read that many draft synopsises yet. Uh, I, I think anytime that you get guys with elite physical attributes, size, strength, arm strength, speed, they're going to be intriguing prospects. You know, I, I think... He's accomplished more in Will Levis, but, you know, he's going to be the same thing. And depending on who you talk to, you're going to hear good things or you're going to hear bad things. And when you read stuff and, you know, the media always gets their, you know, so up in arms about like, put your name on it. They can't put their name on it. They're never going to put their name on it. They're always going to be anonymous scouts. Like nothing is a bigger pet peeve than mine, than when I see morons you know i was gonna say blue check marks but i guess anyone can get a blue check mark now if you pay dollars a month uh people that cover sports for a living go why won't they put their name on it because you know the scouting director can't put their name on it it doesn't mean what he's saying he doesn't believe he might be wrong it's a subjective business um uh, yeah i don't know i mean i i'd be lying if i said i watched that much florida this year after the uh after the Utah game when he was obviously played the best game of his life and from people that I know that had gone through they're not that high on him but you know it's it's a very very subjective process I mean hearing Sean Payton recently talk about his interaction and his time with uh, with Patrick Mahomes and Andy and the Chiefs love of Patrick Mahomes two people were all in on Patrick Mahomes I was thinking about it this morning, actually. Think how crazy it is. You become a general manager, and Ryan Pace became a general manager relatively young in his life. Late 30s, like 40 years old. He's the GM of the Chicago Bears. So not like some random franchise. I mean, one of the biggest, I would say most important, but definitely biggest brands, biggest markets, and just historic franchises in the league. And he takes Mitch Trubisky. Like, that's the guy that he took. Meanwhile, the two coaches... Andy, and Sean Payton, they loved Mahomes. So, just shows you. Not everyone knows what they're doing. Hey, John, hope you're well. Chiefs fan from South Africa. Always wanted to go. Why is Sean Payton held in such high regard versus Mike McCarthy? Three losing seasons, blew the game versus Tampa when leading. Sterling Sharp not making the Hall of Fame, but Gale Sayers made it off a seven-year run. Do you believe there should be a forum to almost override such grave oversights? How do you believe he was Hall of Fame-worthy receiver? Well, Gale Sayers, you know, little before my time, uh, even sharp in his prime before he got hurt, little before my time. So everyone that talked about him said he was had a chance to be, you know, a top two or three all-time guy. His brother, obviously, is one of the best tight ends of all time. Uh, I, I, I think the Hall of Fame has been very, very diluted over the years. When I close my eyes and I think Hall of Fame... I think Montana, Brady, Manning, Lawrence Taylor, you know, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Deion Sanders, like the cream of the crop, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. I I don't even like that next tier of guys, like even the coaches, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I have a really, really high standard. I I think it's gotten really diluted over the years and, um. I don't know what to say about that, but your first question, I think Mike McCarthy like was out a year and got the head coaching job with the Cowboys. <laughs> you know, now people talk about him. Who cares the way people talk about him? The, the, it's irrelevant what people say about you if your industry values you. Mike McCarthy was out a year, interviewed everywhere, and got the Dallas Cowboys job. Like that happened, and now he's the Dallas Cowboys head coach. So just because people on the outside, and I'm probably guilty of this too, don't think he's that good, it's irrelevant an owner pays him $8 million a year to coach the Dallas freaking Cowboys. And now he's the offensive play caller after he's gone to the playoffs back-to-back years. So I don't think anyone holds Sean Payton like he's some all-time great coach, but relative to the rest of the competition of guys available, he was, I mean, by far, the most sought-after candidate because of his resume. No one could even sniff stacking up to what he brought to the table in terms of what he's done in his career. So I I think it's more about that than comparing him to Mike McCarthy. I I also think Sean, a little smoother, better with the media, a lot of media friends. Uh, Mike, you know, a little gruffer, little meathead's probably the wrong word, but I mean, Mike McCarthy claimed when he got hired by the Cowboys that he watched every one of the games in the interview with Jerry Jones, and then at his press conference, he looked at Jerry's like, I'm lying. I didn't watch every game. It's like, I don't know. There's an element of Mike where I don't even know how to quantify or describe it. Something's just, it feels a little off. And I'm not saying Sean Payton is Vince Lombardi, but I would rather have Sean Payton than Mike McCarthy. Big fan, and I have been for a while. I was just wondering about the Green Bay situa- situation with Aaron. Have they been playing chess while we all think they've been playing checkers? They have already have a young defense, and last year they draft two guys to try to solidify the middle of their defense and drafted two very solid wide receivers. Barring injury, are going to develop well and have pretty openly said Jordan Love is the future. Do they get two or three firsts for Aaron? Well, I talked about this on the podcast the other day. Thing with Aaron Rodgers, like, I can't trade you two ones when he says he's going to retire every six months. I had to Google Brett Favre because I was like, did Brett Favre... How did he end up on Minnesota? Obviously, he was traded to the Jets because the the Packers would not let him go. Ironically, this morning, I was on Brett Favre's Wikipedia page and I scrolled down to the end of the Jets early in Minnesota. And obviously, he was traded for a fourth-round pick to the Jets. And then the way he got to Minnesota is he claimed to retire again and the Jets just cut him and then he went to Minnesota as a free agent. Like... Aaron Rodgers has kind of become everything that he claimed he didn't want to become in the way Brett Favre operated and acted. And that's kind of what he's doing a little less drama. I think Brett was a little more like I'm retiring and then he'd kind of do it, but then he kind of wouldn't. He'd ask like, Oh, I'm coming back now. Aaron hasn't done that. Aaron just says, I'm contemplating retirement. But if I'm a GM, I can't give you two first round picks. If the fucking guy might quit after a year, if Aaron Rodgers just talked openly like Breeze and Peyton and Brady, like, I'm never going to quit until I have to or my wife leaves me or my arm falls off, I think they would easily get two first-round picks. But he's the opposite. It's like, yeah, just got to go check out some ayahuasca in the hills. It's like, bro, are, are you going to play football? Now, in fairness to Aaron, he's always ended up playing football. But every year that goes by, it feels like, you know, you never know with a guy. Okay, for the mailbag. Curious your thoughts on Tony Romo's performance in the booth with Jim Nance this year. From the Andrew Marshall article I read, it appears he's consistently not prepared, doesn't study, and get the alleged, and that allegedly caused CBS to organize an intervention for him last offseason. Yeah, I honestly didn't see the article till I saw Coward's take on it. I'm not big on following media critics. Like, there's nothing I care less about than media critics. I mean, I'd rather... I don't even know. I mean, I'd mean, rather watch paint dry than read media critics. But once I saw a Coward's Take, I had to Google it, and then I saw this guy wrote an article. I think it's pretty simple. Is And I was thinking back to when I got involved in the NFL, how overwhelming it was. Every single year, 280 players get drafted, and then every team adds... I don't know, 10 undrafted free agents. I'm just picking that number. It Some depends on the team. Some could be 15. Some could be eight. But you're adding a bunch of random college guys. That's just college. Let alone all the random players in the league that are not, you know, Justin Jefferson or Micah Parsons. The majority of the league is like a rotational guard. Is the nickel corner. So understanding the NFL is very, very difficult. It takes a shitload of work that's if you're working in the NFL like if you're a scout or a position coach you're constantly just studying the league who's playing on the other teams the the rotational guys the schemes it's just never ending the draft free agency the movement well when you're in the league like he was and then just leave the NFL you've been inundated with it for a decade you know a lot of the league now ironically is you know Fox is the NFC so he went immediately to the AFC a, a league that he didn't play or conference he didn't play as much But he had still been in the league and you play conference teams and cross tape. You got a pretty good understanding. Well, the years I remove you away, the amount of work I would have to do to do like a legit pro scout breakdown all the time would be, it would be NFL. It's 90 hour work weeks of just studying players, evaluating them on tape, studying their background, studying the movement, watching the new guys coming in. It takes so much hard work. The NFL is Wall Street on grass. You work a shitload of hours. And the difference in Wall Street, when you're young, you make a lot of money. In the NFL, you do not. Now, if you hit it big, you know, especially now, a lot of these younger coaches are making it. You can, there's a lot of cash out there. But I think the amount of work and preparation to be elite at that job it would take is a lot. Because when you do, like, let's just pick a game. <clears throat> let's pick Chiefs-Jags. So he's doing the Chiefs, which is relatively easy to do. He's done a lot of Chiefs games, so he would know most of the players. But when he does the Jags game, obviously Trevor Lawrence and like Josh Allen, the pass rusher, they got four or five guys, ETN, that are are relatively famous. But they got a lot of random guys on that team. And then if they get an injury or two, like if Christian Kirk goes down, their backup wide receiver is not going to be a guy that the majority of fans know. Hell, I know this. I can't, most people listening right now, if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bucks fan, if you're a Vikings fan, I don't know your roster as good as you. I know your main players, your coaching staff. Like, I've watched you play a lot, but if you watch every single snap of your team 17 weeks a year, you know that roster better than all the announcers. You know that roster by far better than all the announcers. I know the 49ers better than everyone listening to this that's not a 49er fan. I know their players, I know their rotational guys, I know their random guys. That takes a lot of effort. That takes me 17 weeks a year watching three hours of their game, every single snap, and reading a lot about them. It's like I approach them like I'm a pro scout. And I, I just wonder if Romo to, to maintain that level is hard. So I, I think people question he's not working as hard. I also think this. 20 plus million people on average watch his games. When we're sitting there watching the game and a play happens, it's one thing you drop a ball, whatever, you fumble. Like I, I got no, you miss a tackle. But there are just like, that was a terrible play call. Or that was an, an insanely poor effort, you know, by the DB. When I watch him, and I, I, I would love to play golf with him. I'd like to hang out with him. I do think he's a little soft on TV. Like, bro, these guys aren't your friends, you know? We want, think how you watch a game screaming at your TV. Whether you're a gambler, whether it's your team. Like, you give your a lot of your time which to the NFL is the most valuable thing you can give them. It's paying for everything. Our time as viewers pays for the entire league. We get mad. And I watch Tony like, is this guy ever going to rip anybody? Is this guy ever going to talk like we want our announcers to talk, be a little critical? And he's just not. So he's all over the place screaming. That doesn't bother me as much. Like, I'm not looking for perfect, you know, what they teach you in broadcasting school. You can have your own personality. I'm not big into being everyone's friend. Like these guys aren't all your friends, Tony. Talk a little shit. Like when they screw up, blast a coach. And he just rarely does that. Look at Peyton Manning, who has been on record saying the reason he never got in to announcing games, because he didn't want to be critical. And even he struggles with it when he's calling games on the Manning cast. Like, what are you doing? Call a timeout. I I feel like Tony is just you gave him the other thing is for most people, right, to get that much money. And part of it is demand, right? Another network really wanted to hire him. So he was in demand, drove up his market price. If no one if a house is on the market for five months and no one's bidding on it for a million dollars, like I'm offering you $7.99. Like you haven't got an offer in six months. If the offer's a million dollars and there's a line out the door of people looking at it on an open house and they go, Yeah, we just got 12 offers today, you better be prepared to offer one point one two. Because if you, so he had people bidding on his services. They gave him $170 million. If I give someone $170 million, my standards are pretty high. It's why like, especially like I've seen you good. I've seen you prepare. Well, it turns out maybe he didn't have to prepare as much. He just already knew it. And I, I think it's a complicated situation. Clearly they're not happy. People don't get happy. Like I can't be mad at you if I run a business and you are uh, my janitor, and I pay you thirty-five grand a year, and you're not great at your job. Like, what am I really going to say to you? If I pay you seventeen, if I pay you one hundred seventy million dollars, my standards are going to be pretty high. You know, when Fox gave John Madden eight million dollars in nineteen ninety-three, he fucking brought it and delivered and dominated. Say what you want about Gruden, like he he brought it. You knew he was studying. If I don't even think you're studying, and I'm paying you a premium. Now, who is, it's it's weird. Like, I always struggle with this at CBS. The guy at CBS that's mad at him, it's not his money. It's a ma- massive corporation, but he signed off on it. He was the one that said this is a good idea, you know? So the shareholders, you know, people start getting mad. I also think they're probably looking at Twitter. I don't know if Twitter necessarily matters. Like, people think he's diminished in his powers. But at the end of the day, I don't even think announcers matter that much. I like Greg Olson. You know, he's, he's good. I like Kevin Burkhart. The, the ratings have gone up since Troy Aikman and Joe Buck gone up. We watch because of the NFL. Like, like I've always said, like I could bend over, talk like Ace Ventura with my butt cheeks and, you know, 50 million people are watching Niners-Cowboys. This isn't a complicated formula. So, maybe they're just mad they didn't have to give them that much money. Newsflash, you didn't. You could have hired anyone random. It would have been fine. I know you want the headlines, you want the Martians to write about you. Who cares? Uh, so, yeah, I just think it's a lot of work and I, can't, I don't know the guy. I can't speak to his work ethic, but I think it's very, very easy right out of the league.
1: This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Okay, right now, download FanDuel. Use the promo code Colin C O L I N. You can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything. Money line, point spreads, who's going to score the first touchdown? The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. Join FanDuel today. Promo code Colin to claim your no-sweat-first bet on Super Bowl 57. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana E N Y or Text H O P E N Y 467369 in New York, Tennessee. Red line, one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine tennessee Visit one 800 in West Virginia.
2: Should the 49ers push for Aaron? One year window. Yeah, they just they can't get him. One, they'll never trade him in the NFC. And two, they don't have any picks. They don't have a first-round pick. Question for you. In your time as a scout, is there one player you hang your hat on, say, this is the guy I knew was going to be a stud? Uh <clears throat> no. I when I was in the NFL for two years, I did pro scouting, and it was more just, you know, keeping grades on players. People aren't coming to you like, Middlecuff, give me your top seven guys in this free agency. It was more just having updated grades. You know, I, I, they just didn't care what I thought. I mean, at the end of the day, there was a guy, Andrew Sandejo, that was playing in this little like XFL or AFL or UFL, like, one of those random leagues back in like 2011. I went to Lewis Riddick. And I said, listen, this guy can play. No one would listen to me. And then 10 years later, he's got a 10-year career. No big deal. But I wasn't pounding the table. I only did college scouting for one year. And I didn't like Matt Barkley. And shit, 10 years later, you're still in the league. Is there an argument that Shanahan's scheme assignments leave his quarterback exposed more than others' offensive system when an assignment is missed? I mean, the injury issues before Jimmy G, Lance Purdy. I think here's the issue with Shanahan. is His scheme is based on misdirection. His scheme is not based necessarily on power at the point of attack, right? His offensive lineman, is athleticism, it's a zone scheme, means they're running more laterally than they are pushing you backwards. When you play other teams that see zone offenses, especially in practice, they're not going to bite on all your fakes and shoot down the line. So with Reddick, even though the Eagles offense is not the Niners offense, they run zone running scheme concepts. So when you do some of this play action, which obviously the Eagles do as well, Hassan Reddick is less likely to like, I'm just going to shoot down the line of scrimmage and chase nobody. He's going to go, okay, I got a backup tight end, see a buddy, and then chase your quarterback. Well, Hassan Reddick, one thing that really bothered me about Kyle, and I, I think he's a fantastic coach and the Niners are lucky to have him. And part of being ego and belief in yourself and what makes anyone great at their job is like this this like desire to not let the outside noise influence how they do things. Like if he would have done that, he wouldn't be as good as he was. But Brock Purdy, the guy that, you know, turned your team into kind of a powerhouse. Like the 49ers had a chance to win the Super Bowl, not with Jimmy Garoppolo. They had a chance to win with Brock Purdy. And when you put him in that compromising position, a couple weeks later, you could have gone, or just a week later, because he talked on Thursday, you know what, if I had that to do over, I wish I would have called another play. It's pretty simple to say. I don't blame him for running Trey Lance. Trey Lance is an inaccurate quarterback. Now, if you want to say, why are you running a guy that's not that fast? That's another argument. He had Jimmy Garoppolo was a freak deal. But the Purdy situation, like put put your backup tight end who can't block any good players against, I don't know, it goes Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Asan Reddick this year for best outside edge pass rushers. You would never do that to Nick Bosa. So I, I just... I hated that he just wouldn't acknowledge. I regret that because we all regret stuff. I regret saying that, honey. I wish I would have. I wish I would have had a different take for a podcast, you know, segment. Like we, I wish I would have bought this stock at thirty dollars instead of fifty-five. We all regret, and again, there's a difference between letting regret hover in your mind the rest of your life and just going, you know what? If I had that to do over again, I would have. Right? I'm not living in the past, but it was a mistake. This is a black and white business. This is an end result business. And the end result of that play was Hassan Redick, who is an elite edge rusher, ripped your quarterback's elbow off. <laughs> like That's that's the end result. Freak play! Yeah, the freak play, that's the result. John, just a thought in the morning drive to work. For as good as Coach Kyle Shanahan is, do you think there is something in, uh, inherently wrong with the offense he runs? Seems every year their quarterback goes down, Jimmy G. It's kind of the same questions. I I think what makes Kyle really good is his offense and is his scheme. I think he has to be pretty careful with the way the unblocked looks with some of these pass rushers. I understand it's part of his offense, but he does not have Ben Roethlisberger sitting back there. Brock Purdy is six feet tall. He's just a smaller guy. Now, luckily, Purdy's pretty athletic, and that was a play that nothing—you know—he's trying to hit, take a deep shot. I—I I just think when it comes to protecting his quarterback, and and I, I've always been one to say it's football. Guys get injured. There's only so much you can do, but we now have a couple years of a uh, couple years of evidence from LA. Big Bucks fan. Florida, two-part question. I truly believe Brady is done, hoping he moves on and we can spend all the cap on a younger star quarterback to fixes our O-line secondary. Would I be dreaming if I thought we should trade for Lamar? I feel the offense could be the best in the league. If you added ability at quarterback, Florida state income taxes. I think Lamar is from Florida too, isn't he? Two first-rounders, and second and third. How does this sound? Yeah, I mean, I, if I were the Bucks, I would definitely trade for Lamar Jackson. Two, are the Florida Gators just done in the big scheme of college football? I feel they may be on the same boat as USC when it comes to national perception of the program. I tell all my SC fans out here that SC, I think he lives in LA, uh, big boy, 6'5", Florida positions, we haven't signed an elite wide receiver or running back in a long time. I think one issue you've had, only so many teams can be on top at one time, right? You can't have eight SEC teams all killing it because they're all recruiting the same crop of 40 guys. So if if all of them, you know, equally split those forty guys, your team's not going to be as good. Historically, Georgia, LSU, Bama, or whatever, or even Florida, when they've been on, get the majority of those guys. The reason Ohio State tends to be better than most Big Ten teams every single year, they get better players. If I took five of their top twenty players and I put them on Michigan, then Michigan and them would just be equals. Like Part of the reason, and I understand Michigan's beat them a couple years in a row, but if I took 10 of their top 20 players and I gave three to Michigan and four to Minnesota and three to Wisconsin, it would spread the love. Well, that's kind of what happens in the SEC. Bama and Georgia kind of get them all. And then LSU, depending on the year, also does pretty good. Now it feels like Tennessee's recruiting a lot better. Recruiting is the end-all be-all. I saw Joel Klatt going off on USC's recruiting class. Like... This one I like Lincoln. He's a excellent offensive coach. If he does not recruit defense at a really high level, he's never winning a natty. What he did at Oklahoma was impressive. They had Heisman Trophy winners, they had NFL players at every position, wide receiver, running back, O-line, tight end, quarterback. Every single their offense was elite. Their offense could have played with anybody. But if your defense has me and you playing for them, you ain't beating Georgia, Ohio State, or Bama. Even in a, a sport that is much more offensively driven. You have to tackle. You know, I don't need you to be the 85 Bears or like 2010 Alabama, but you cannot be what you're at. And, you know, one thing that's different with USC and Florida, like is Billy Napier any good? Is Billy Napier any good? I've heard good things about him. I know people that like him, but if he's not good, they're screwed. At least with Lincoln, like you're going to compete to make the playoffs. Are you going to compete to be, I think how hard it is to be third in the East now. Georgia lock number one. I guess Tennessee. And Tennessee is basically like a, you know, a lock number two. I, I just think it's very, very difficult, man. Okay, last question. I was just wondering what you think people who seem intent on downplaying the Eagles win against the Niners ignore Shanahan and deciding to block Reddick with a backup tight end. A lot of Shanahan and Reddick talk. Source subject, man. I lost $2,000. Heard you hit a big golf bet. Who are you rolling with? For Pebble Beach, looking f- to make a few bets. Uh, I have a little money on Scott Stallings and Bo Hostler, but this is late. The Pebble Beach tournament is uh, God; it's such a diluted field. I- I'm going to go heavy, heavy this next week at Waste Management with probably a couple large wagers on some of the top guys. Uh, I-, I play out there a lot now. The course is hard. All the elite guys, Rory, Rom, Scheffler, I mean the big dogs are all coming up. JT, it's, uh, next week should be pretty special. Should be pretty freaking awesome. So we will get the golf podcast up and running. I I was going to put a go low thing on my YouTube channel. I had like a 30-minute window on Wednesday. I recorded something, and then it deleted, and I was like, ah. So I got to be better about that. But the golf podcast coming back full go. Uh, I think I actually might go play golf this afternoon. We got football right around the corner. Uh, Tony Romo intervention. And we will have a podcast out on Monday morning. And keep rocking and rolling. Peace. (laughs)